0: Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife, mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 88, recorded the week of September 9th, 2019. Today's segments include what you're working on, witty knits, and colorful puddles. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show.
1: So we want to start this week with an announcement. Um... The truck's broken again. Um, So um, we will be giving out at the end of the program uh, where we hope to be as soon as that is back up and running. But do check uh, before you try and find us anywhere um, with our Facebook um, and our website to make sure we are up and running again. But other than that, what have you been working on this week, Uh, (laughs) Erica? Nearly called you Poppy. You
0: did. I heard it.
1: I've been asking Poppy what she's been working on all day she's been practising her letters.
0: Okay. Um, The biggest thing that I have been working on is the sweater for myself that I'm doing with Dave's most recent hand-dyed yarn. I am hoping to get this finished in time for our retreat so that we will have the sample done when that yarn comes out. Um, But our retreat's in like three weeks or less,
1: and I'm skeptical that it's going to be done in time. Well, we'll you started see. this um, after we recorded the last podcast episode, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about it. Um, and you're halfway through, nearly, and you've only been working on three weeks. Uh, there's still sleeves.
0: Sleeves, I'm halfway through the body. <laughs> sleeves take ages. Um, so this is a, and I don't remember if I talked about this on the last episode or not, we've had a couple of weeks off um, with vacationing and such. Um,
1: and a tree falling on our house, which
0: is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little <laughs> bit of a comedy of errors around here. It's it's been a rough month, um, but everybody is healthy and happy, and we will we will carry on. Um,
1: but if you'd like to support us right now, an online order would be really great.
0: <laughs> um, the sweater is a top down. Yoke style, which means the increases are spaced evenly around the entire circumference of the sweater versus a raglan style where the increases are... Um, concentrated in four areas, which creates that, like, raglan seam look to it. Um, so this starts at the neckline. I am using a background color of a bright blue. It's Matisse blue of um, in the Malabrigo sock yarn. So it's a really quite a bright, uh, like, saturated jewel-tony blue.
1: That's 100% superwash merino in a fingering weight.
0: And then I am using 10 micro gains 46 yards a piece <laughs> not sure why i said it like that 46 <laughs> yards apiece a piece of fingering weight um in uh, uh of dave's newest hand dyed yarn um it is a sock yarn and it's a
1: superwash merino nylon blend
0: yeah so it's very similar it's working it's playing nicely with the malabrigo Um, but what i'm doing is i basically i did the ribbing at the neckline in the the solid blue color um, and then i'm doing a garter ridge so one row of knit and then one row of purl i'm working in the round and so that creates a little ridge um, a bump Uh, of the color, the contrast color, and then I'm doing three rows of the blue again. Um, And I'm doing three stripes of each of the 10 colors um, of Dave's. So it starts with a green and it fades into uh, yellow and orange and then like a purpley pink and then into quite a bright pink um, will be the last color. And it's also doing something else interesting of sort of slicing across um, as it goes down its full rounds of the color up around the neckline and the shoulders. And then once you divide for the sleeves, the color stripes starts to go at a diagonal across the body um, and the sort of half the sweater turns blue um, without the stripes so just the solid blue um, as you're working uh, diagonally across the the sweater so I'm excited about it it's been fun to work on it's a pretty straightforward once I got going with it I didn't have to think a whole lot uh, which was nice Um, and I'm actually adapting this pattern from the uh, sweater in a month challenge pattern that we've released a a couple of years ago um, that I liked that's a very straightforward uh, yoke style sweater Um, and that's what I'll be talking about in witty knits is how I used a pattern that was written for a wildly different gauge Um, how I made that work for this one so that I didn't have to start over and invent the wheel from nothing Um, I could start with numbers that were already there and just do a little bit of math. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I've been working on. Um, I have divided for the sleeves and I've worked oh I don't know I'm, a few It's in after. my it's in my hands right now I'll look at about how many so maybe two inches an inch and a half after the sleeve um, divide down the body of it um, the sleeves are kind of that cap sleeve uh, with the waist yarn holding the live stitches so I'll go back and, and knit the sleeves at the end when I'm finished with the rest of it.
1: Um, I'm confident that you can get this, the piece finish in time to show it off. I'm not sure the pattern will be ready, but we can offer that as a digital download for retreat goers.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's a fun one to work with. I'm liking the bright colors um, and it's a little bit addicting. It's that like, oh, I just want to do one more stripe. I just want to see what is it going to look like with the next stripe color um, in there. So it's been fun. I've enjoyed working with the new yarn. Um, I have overall enjoyed this project. And this is the first one I have knit for myself since before I got pregnant with our first kiddo. Um, I have just not been the same a a consistent size or shape um, as I have had two kiddos um, in fairly quick succession, um, and now our youngest one is about to turn two, Um, I'm probably the shape that I'm going to be to the point where I can knit myself a sweater um, and be pretty confident that it's going to fit me. Um, So I'm excited to wear a hand-knit sweater again um, for when it gets cold out. Uh, and that's truly about all I've been working on. Um, I, you worked
1: at kicking your feet back and relaxing a little bit when we're on vacation.
0: Yes. Uh, we had a fabulous vacation off the very southern coast of Alabama on a tiny, tiny little island in the Gulf of Mexico for a week. It was awesome. We stayed in a house on stilts, um, which I have never been in before. Uh, I took an embroidery project with me and did a tiny amount on that. Um, I really haven't done a lot. I've made, I've done some sewing to make a uh, make more cast onto cable learn to knit kit bags um i put up a social media post on that that people uh, seemed to enjoy seeing kind of how i how i was doing that with um upcycled fabric um and i've just i've been taking it a little bit easy on the on the crafting um things have been a little intense um we <laughs> We had a very enjoyable time on vacation, but we came home to a fifty-foot tree on top of a power line on top of our house. Uh, we were without power for a day and a half. There's been endless like insurance. I've never had to. I've never had this happen before. Um, so dealing with all the insurance and the roofing company and all of that jazz. Um, and then the truck had been at the repair shop the whole time that we were on vacation to get a new fuel tank, um, or to get the fuel tank repaired. Turned out it was not repaired the first time. They had to redo it, so we had to cancel another show uh, when we got back uh, and then we had it for we went to North Salem and back with it uh, for one uh, weekend show that we kind of got rained out um, of and then we made it to Bloomington which was a good show but on our drive back um, at nine o'clock at night uh, it broke down to the point where it wouldn't drive at all um, and it took Three tow trucks Um, because it's big (laughs) and it was parked in an
1: awkward place. They kept bringing the wrong one. But Um, it's fine. We got home safe. The truck is in in the back of the repair shop again. There's only so many more things that could have gone wrong with it. So (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, We may just be off the road for another week or so. So we're going to be getting on with doing some other things. Yep. So Dave, what have you been working on? Well, today I uploaded um, some of our hand dyes onto our Etsy store. So we've had that for a little while. It kind of paused a little bit when we were um, kind of closing up the physical store and shifting things over and redesigning our kits. So I'm now getting our new stuff, our new hand dyes and our new kits back up on there. Um, in time for people to start thinking about them for the holidays. Uh, the original cast on cable kit was always a good seller on there, so um, I'll be getting that up tomorrow. Uh, right now, um, Cirrus and Orchard Lace are up there. Going to work on also probably adding a few more of our digital patterns up there as well, so i will be another source to get them other than just Ravelry. I have been um, working on getting the Retreat Pack together, all of the information pack for the Retreat is up and sent out to everyone including um, a full schedule and all the class materials are set up, I just ordered the last couple of things I needed to get for that today. Um, The full menu is planned out and I've started uh, making some of the components that will be frozen so, those are prepared ahead of time to so all we'll be nice and prepared and We had a meeting with Bethany from Recraft this morning um She came over and we made her uh Belgian waffles and caramel apples for breakfast which is such a terrible thing to have at a meeting <laughs> and she
0: will be helping us at the retreat which is why this is relevant
1: yeah you um, left that part out that's what i was going that's what okay. i was getting on to uh, she's gonna be our assistant at the retreat this year um she's very skilled as well as been knitting since she was seven years old so she'll be able to help out with knitters um she's uh, good at embroidery and um a little bit about painting things. and dyeing and all kinds of things so um she'll be there to help us out which will be fantastic so we're really looking forward to, to that retreat coming up very soon um in um just around the house i am on another minimizing kick um i'm just done with <laughs> stuff <laughs> pretty soon we're gonna have like a kitchen table and one outfit apiece and that's all that will be fine with me i i I enjoy the things that we've made and I enjoy the the art pieces that we've collected and I want to be able to enjoy them. So, um, we have been going through, mostly me, but Eric has been kind of getting on a little bit too, of just getting rid of stuff that we don't ever use. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm sitting in my dining room now and it doesn't really look like a disaster, which is, which is nice. There's a couple of shelves that need sorted because kids happened, but, um, yeah, it's looking great. I'm happy. When, every time I walk into our living room, it makes me, makes me breathe a sigh of relief that even if there's toys on the floor, I now I can put them away in two minutes and there's not.
0: Yep, so minimalism is something that we have been... Uh dipping our toe in the water up for a good couple of years now um and uh, when we've had a little bit more time off with the truck being out of commission we've gotten rid of a couple more pieces of furniture here and there um a couple of, of more things uh so that we can just enjoy the things that we use rather than all of the other things um but it is it is hard this last uh, round a lot more books went and books were always a thing that I'd struggled with a lot um of wanting to to have a lot of um, um, but I just don't use paper books the way that I used to and I um, I am enjoying that we are uh, getting them into the hands of other people who can enjoy them. Uh, so we're kind of down to just a couple of, of real favorite books and then a bazillion kids books.
1: Um, and even things like my board game collection among miniatures and then I played Magic Gathering for a long time because I'm a massive nerd. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, clearing those out, and some of those things are, are fairly valuable, so I'm working on one um, kind of clearing those to people who will really appreciate them. Um, so if you know anyone who needs a giant collection of Magic cards, um, <laughs> uh, hit me up. Um, and uh, yeah, in the die studio, I've not really been down there to fire anything up recently, but I will be um, in the next couple of days dying some more Twisted Branch. Because Erica is still working on designing that Learn to Crochet kit, um, which is getting through. I think you've decided to back out one or two of the blocks that you weren't entirely happy with and redesign. Yes. Uh, um, two so that days. might be coming out a little bit later than the end of September, depending on. Yeah. When we'll stuff to the printer? Yeah. I'm hoping for the the last week of September,
0: first week of October to would be, be finished with that learn to crochet kit. And that'll be about when the um when that next batch of Dave's hand dyed yarn to go in it will be ready as well. Um Some of that will be how long
1: it takes to get back from the printer. I don't think you've got that long to to go on the actual blocks, have you? No. Um,
0: Well, I say that. The dangers of crafting with small children, uh, Rowan, who is not quite two but fast approaching, uh, the other day I walked in and he had opened the box that has my knitting in it. The kids have not really shown interest in, they've never destroyed knitting projects or really messed with them all that much before, Um, but the other day it had been quiet for one too many seconds I went in search of, of the almost two-year-old and he was sitting in my knitting chair happily grabbing hold of the strand of yarn and just pulling and just unraveling just fistfuls of that crochet project. Um, I was on the fence about wanting to unravel back past. I'd made an open mesh section that I thought was too open compared to the sections next to it. I just I thought the scale looked wrong. Um, I was on the fence about should I rip it out should I not rip it out well he made that decision for me. Um, it has been ripped out.
1: <laughs> She very happily looked up at you and said, Row and do mama's work.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, why don't you take us into your colorful
1: puddles? So let's go splish splashing in. This was my micro skeins um, that I just finished dyeing before we went on vacation. Um, I was waiting for them to dry and Ferrica start working on them up to see if I was happy with them, and I've decided that we really like the color range. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed working with them, and they're fun. It's neat to see them worked up. So it's one thing to see the giant pile of skeins. It's something else to actually see them knit, and especially knit next to each other. um, And I knew there was was a little bit of
1: white in these, but it's actually coming out really well. I like that little bit of of white in there to kind of break up the saturation of the color. I think it gives it a lot more interest. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the way the process went. So I thought I would talk about that today. So I talked about designing the colours uh, before and how I used um, kind of some digital assistance to do that. So how do we actually dye micro skeins? Well, kind of like dyeing a big skein with a little bit more hassle is the answer. Um, so these micro skeins they they come packed in twenty um, fives, so two hundred fifty grams, about half a pound. Um, now, they come kind of pre-wound neatly into little, neat, cute-looking Titty, skeins. Teeny, really adorable skeins. Teeny, meeny, adorable skeins, which will only have to be at the end. The only issue with that is you can't dye it when it's wound up into a skein like that. And it does help them stay neat in the package, which I really appreciate for the small skeins like this. But it does make them a little bit of a hassle. So the very first thing you need to do is open up all of those skeins into loops and not get them tangled. So my a very cunning system involved a ladle and a dining room table um, because although I have a great dye studio, I don't really have a lot of kind of clear, clean table space down there. It's just a fairly compact studio that has all my equipment on it and with this, this, much, this much yarn. Um, I almost slipped into um, Super Mario Brothers there. <laughs> this so much yarn. With that many uh, little mini skeins, I really wanted to make sure they were clean. So what I did was took one of our dining chairs, I hooked a ladle into the back of it um, to make sure it wouldn't slip and actually use that as a peg, like I'd normally hang my skeins in the studio and unraveled my little mini skeins one by one back into the loops, flipped them onto the the ladle until I got all 25. And then basically from then on, treated it like a 250 gram skein. So I took some big loops of yarn and then tied it in three places around uh, to basically to make sure that those skeins are not then going to tangle on top of each other. So the mini skeins were already tied So the mini skeins were already tied themselves. So wouldn't need big really bundle. But I tied together. them into a big bundle so I could handle each half pound of 25 skeins as a single skein. Um, It's not unusual for me to dye kind of 8-ounce skeins, which is even more yarn than that. So basically tying it to treat it like an 8-ounce skein makes it a lot easier for me to handle the dye pots, a lot less likely for them to get all scrambled up, and a lot easier for me to work out kind of how much dye we're going to add in, because I'm not using very much dye for each colour. As soon as I start trying to dye micro skeins and keep them consistent kind of one by one, or not get them tangled in the big pot, it's going to be a disaster. So I tied those into bundles, and then they're ready to go. I go down and soak them in my normal um, water vinegar bath, um, just to make sure they got uh, nice and acidulated. And then I set up my steam tables, um, fired them both up so I have 12 pots I can run at once, which means I could run 12 times 25, so that's that's 300 skeins.
0: Yeah, I'm not even going (laughs) to pretend
1: to do that, Matt that, right? that it, right it
0: doesn't matter a um,
1: lot. it's a lot yeah, a skate. lot um i was running 20 colors so i have to go through um, kind of one and a half times with my steam bars to to run the whole thing um, then with each of the progressions as i talked about last time the the 20 colors around the color wheel it's color a um, then over dyed with color b and then color B over dyed with color C and so on all the way around the color wheel. Um, What that allowed me to do basically is um, I could set up all of the baths and then drop the skeins in so they all dyed for the same amount of time, which is really helpful. Um, So what I would do, I got all my skeins lined up, got them all soaking, got them nice and um, wet through, ready to go. I then use my consistent catalyst process. So I... Um, instead of making a um, stock solution for these, I did actually just weigh out the powder uh, that I required just to make sure I was being super accurate um, and added the powdered dye to my hot baths. Um, so the hot baths with uh, vinegar in as well. And then I also um, made up a small amount of very concentrated solution which I then just added on, um, essentially, just with a squeezy bottle. So I basically made a mark on my squeezy bottle for the height that I needed to go um, to use a consistent amount of liquid. Um, I added my powder dye-in. I topped that up with warm water, and a splash of vinegar, shake it up, take my 25 skeins, all in a little bundle, they're already wet, lay them out on my uh, one of my um, trays. I just use uh, baking sheets. Um, so I have a large area that's easy to clean. I like that, that on there. Squirt that one with this, uh, squirt this the first colour dye on with the squeezy bottle, making sure to turn the skein around and making sure I get into the centre, so all the skeins have the amount, a similar amount of our contrast colour on. Then And you say contrast, the colours that you're using for each skein are pretty similar to each other, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're fairly close in most cases, like some of them are a little bit further a step, like there's one that's a pink and a grey, um, but it's it's easier to think of them as a contrast color is the color that I put on a small amount, and then the main color is the bath. Um, so I put on my contrast color. Um, but like the one that I'm working with right now, it
0: looks like all shades of pink. It's yeah. probably like a rose and a raspberry or something were the two colors.
1: Well, that's also with the the, the way this overdye method works. So then I take that contrasted color uh, skein, and I put it in a bath of the main color. So what is going to happen... Um, as those two dyes go over the top of each other they're going to mix on the skein which is going to make those colors even kind of closer together so um, they'll kind of mix and blend and give you um a bit more kind of interest and subtlety um so it gives you a, a kettle dye look that's more consistent than doing a true kettle because you you know that using this method you're going to get the colours patches in roughly the same place and proportion as you would doing kettle dye um, so yeah, ran through all of those, hung them up to dry, and then um, once they're all dry, you get the fun of releasing them from their bounds, which is kind of fun. Um, so popping all those little loops open, and the skeins, even though they've not been kind of tightly bound, they kind of dried in one place, they kind of poof open when you um, pop them out. You have to be careful not to um, make a mess with them, and then wind them back into their tiny mini skeins, um, get some nice arm workout, and you're ready to go. Yep, and I put up a picture of the 10
0: tiny mini skeins and the one large skein of the sock soccer that I used to do... Uh, my sweater before I started. So that is up on our social media. We are pretty active on Facebook and Instagram as Nomad Yarns in both of those spots. Um, So you can see a picture of what at least half of the color range looks
1: like of our first batch. So I'm going to be running a second run of all of these colors probably sometime in the next couple of days um, after I've done the more twisted branch. Um, And we will be packaging and selling these in um, fives. So, you're basically going to be able to get um, kind of a quarter of the colour wheel, um, but you could do 5, 10, 15, or 20 and keep a consistent um, colour repeat, colour kind of change all the way around um, your piece. So, Erica, what have you been working on in your witty knitting this week?
0: So I think I have talked about this kind of a concept before, but I just wanted to briefly, um, without necessarily talking through the actual exact numbers, but talk about how I used one knitting pattern that called for a specific gauge, um, how I used that pattern uh, with a wildly different gauge to get something that was going to fit the way that I wanted to. Um, so I knew that I wanted to do this yoke style with the color progression. Um, I knew that I had already designed a sweater and done all of the math. I think the, uh, sweater in a month challenge pattern, I think goes from an extra small to like a 3XL. Um, I'd already done all that math, um, and, and all of the, the proofing and, and all of that stuff. I didn't want to have to redo that, um, especially because I was just trying to grab this to run on vacation just to make the sample one in my size. Um, So what I ended up doing was I knit a large swatch that is counter to my nature, but I did it anyways, um, to get a very accurate gauge at my new yarn. So the sweater in a month challenge, the original pattern, used a used a bulky yarn and a number, I think a US size 11 needle it might have been a 10. Um, but it ended up something like three stitches an inch. It was a it, it was a loose gauge sweater. It was a a big uh, big yarn, big needles, big gauge. Um, my fingering weight sweater on size, I'm looking to see on US size 3 knitting needles has a significantly smaller gauge than that. Um, I think I've got seven stitches to the inch. So the gauge was wildly different. Um, and what I ended up doing, um, the layout of this sweater is basically in all, all yoke sweaters, um, is you cast on the number for your neck and then you do evenly spaced um, increases uh, you basically for, for this pattern you do four increases spread out about every inch and a half you do an increase so you knit an inch and a half of your um, of your neckline you do an increase i think the first one was like knit three make one knit three make one all the way around so you're adding a lot of stitches in there then you knit an inch and a half then you do another increase round um, until you've done four increase rounds and that's your total number of stitches that go all the way around not just your bust, but also your, um, your shoulders. Um, it's the whole thing. It looks like a keep around you. Um, so what I did is I multiplied, I, I went through the pattern and I highlighted the size for myself. Um, it was an extra large, I'm a 45 inch bust, um, and I multiplied the gauge that the original pattern was written in, so three stitches to the inch. If the pattern says cast on 30 stitches and your gauge is three stitches to the inch, you know that that is 10 inches worth of fabric that you're creating. Um, So I figured out how many inches of fabric I was supposed to have at each of these points um, at the cast on edge and then at each of the four increases. Um, And then I looked at my new gauge with my new needles and yarn and figured out how many stitches. So if I needed 10 inches of fabric and I have seven stitches in one inch at my new gauge, I would need 70 stitches um, versus the 30 stitches that I needed in my original. So I just went through and did did the math um, to go go through all of it. Um, and I kind of drew a little picture with circle like stacked up circles on there to make sure I'm kind of a visual It helps me if I can write it down with with pictures if my picture drawing skills leave a little bit to be desired But I know what they <laughs> mean. Um, and so writing it down and comparing and I kind of did the did the math backwards at the end to make sure okay This number and it was a really big number. Um, I forget it was like 500 stitches was how many I ended up with around before I took my sleeves off Um, so I I kind of reverse engineered that number to see if I got the right answer going back again Um, and I did Um, and as I was working knitting on the sweater I would look at it and hold it up and try it on um, when I got to the point where I could do that to make sure that the numbers were all working out and they did Um, and it fits and it works Um, and I'm a couple inches past the um, the armholes and I'm pretty happy with it.
1: Trying on was a two-person job which was It's a little bit kind of a slapstick comedy routine if you've never seen someone try on the top of a sweater with <laughs> um, with needles still in it. Everyone should at least try and do that once.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> This is doing this kind of math and this kind of manipulation for a pattern um, is easier with this style of sweater. This is a pretty straightforward, there's not tons of shaping. Um, it's very geometric. It, um, it's it's pretty intuitive and pretty straightforward to do. If you were doing a piece where there were like a front and a back and sleeves and you had to re- resize the, the arm's eye and armhole and all the things, um, you probably would have been much easier to find a pattern that was already written that we <laughs> used the gauge that you used. Um, and I certainly could have done that for this sweater, um, but... Full disclosure. I mean, I, I write patterns to go with our yarn, so I wanted that. I didn't. I didn't want to go and find somebody else's pattern. Part of my job is to is to write my own. Um, so this was kind of a a way to almost use the work that I had already done um, to check my own self to make sure that I was um, I was on the right track uh, to make something that was going to fit and that I was going to like. Um, it is also a, a Casual fit sweater. So this is not meant to be a super fitted thing. That is how I wear my sweaters I don't I don't choose to wear things that are really tight-fitting very often um, And it wasn't the look that I wanted in this this sweater. So that is that is the end of me being witty possibly forever <laughs> <laughs> um, Definitely for tonight
1: It's getting fairly late here and Erica is looking like she needs a glass of wine and relax um, It's been a hard week so I'm going to go with where we'll hopefully that be this time. Um, and again,
0: we will... I almost don't want him to do this <laughs> we'll let you know when we're gonna be back on the road um, we have not they have not even diagnosed the problem at the mechanics um, so we have no concept of timeline we got My- a
1: notification today from the app that we uh, used that it was moving so they have driven it around they did a short test loop with that about 5 p.m. today so hopefully they have a bit of an idea and they've at least got it going again okay so all of these are Hopefully, um, where will Nomad be? We may just still be in the shop. Um, But uh, I'm gonna start with Friday. There's no way we're gonna make uh, Wednesday the 11th, which was the Plainfield Farmer's Market. So let's cancel that. Um, Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th, um, we may be at the Greenlight Arts Festival in Greencastle. Again, check our Facebook um, and our website to make sure um, if we are able to turn up. then the following Monday, uh, the East Side Market Space um, over in Irvington, Monday the 16th. And then that Saturday, um, we are really hoping to make it to the Wool Gathering um, in Yellow Springs, Ohio, uh, Saturday the 21st and Sunday the 22nd. Those are, uh, that's a big event, so we'd really love to be there and, and see some of our out-of-town listeners. And then Saturday the 28th and 29th of September are our retreat. So... We would love to see some of you at those places if we can make it again before you head out to any of these things. Um, do check our Facebook and our um, our website. Yeah. We will be putting out an email as well with kind of information um, and we'll let you know when we're back on the road. We will be running the retreat, that's definitely happening. Um, even if the truck cannot be in the retreat, it's 10 minutes away, we'll be, bring a big boxes of stock for you to see of the new stuff and set up a mini store inside. So the retreat will be unaffected either way, um, it might just not have the bright shiny truck there but we will still have um, our store set up somewhere. And um, I'm confident that, that, I mean that's three weeks
0: away, that the truck will be back up and running by then. So
1: just in case. Um, We hope to see you soon. Uh, Do check out our online store, the new stuff that's going up on our Etsy store, um, our Ravelry store. Um, If you would like to come to the retreat, we do have a couple of spaces, but we will be needing you to sleep in a top bunk because we're running out of space in our buildings. Um, And other than that, hopefully we see you back on the road soon. Yep. See you then. Happy grafting. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, nomadjarchup.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.